Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of RackN, and you are listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. This episode is a discussion about Glucon and generative DevOps. We actually go through and discuss different concepts and capabilities around what we can expect generative AI to generate. Is it going to produce good code? What impact is it going to have on developers? How do we control that? We are actually doing this in preparation for our session uh, on June 13th, where we're actually going to uh, pair program or group program GPT to see what type of DevOps coding skills we can prompt it to have. And we talk about the necessity of prompting in this session and have some good clues and tips to help you think about how to be a better prompt engineer, uh, a skill set that, frankly, everybody's going to need to have in the next uh, months, if not years. Uh, I know you'll enjoy the podcast, so have a good one. We're talking about Reddit changing their API boundaries. Well, they're, they're, they're starting to charge API access. Mm-hmm. Wait, I. So is it just for reading the API? I guess I'm because we like we scrape the the Reddit APIs too and look for look look for keywords to target engagement. You um, scrape the APIs. You, you well, we use the API to monitor the APIs. channels. Yeah, for keywords. Yeah, someone may find the article. Yeah, there's this is uh, this has been discussed by a couple of folks. Um, Reddit, uh, all of the um, there have been a couple of um, couple of others that have basically been discussing the the close out of their kind of free access or almost free access to via the APIs. Um, many of them are trying to make sure that they are, um, if they are used, they're being compensated somehow by, you know, the folks that are just sucking huge amounts of uh, data out. This is partially the LLMs who are using it, you know, as part of the training data for some of their, their big platforms. That's, I think it's not so much that it's happening today, but they're trying to be um, in advance, take a, take a stance that says, you know, you're going to, if you're going to make use of our, uh, of our stuff or our, our customers stuff, you're going to have to pay some freight. Oh, we see a must be on that with Twitter as well, right? With the Microsoft. Mm -hmm thing. I, I think we just entered a new world of data monetization here. The game just changed. Yep. And, and that is exactly why I, I brought this up, because mm-hmm. uh, this has the potential for leading us into a dark age of data availability. Ooh. I would agree with that. I think I think we're entering a phase of there is no such thing as a no paywall. You're going to pay the freight one way or another. 
whether it's through the API or through, you know, um, a moat of some form or another, you're not going to be able license. to do this. And license, yeah. Yeah, look, Bloomberg is aiming at this space. Thomson Reuters is aiming at this space. There's so many third parties and up and comers, challengers that are looking at this idea of augmenting existing data, corporate data, with a service that allows them to say, okay, the big boys are going to embed chat GPT or like product. SAP is doing it, Salesforce is doing it. Well, Salesforce has their own, but all the majors are embedding something. Um, we're going to aim at the augmentation of that language model with more relevant or more industry specific or more recent information. And we're going to charge through the nose for it. I think this this is a predictable shift in the model. Klaus has, has uh, Reddit actually published any pricing in association with the API use? Um, I'm sure they have. Uh, let's see. Um, Reddit is $12,000 for 50 million. I don't know if it's posts or events. Uh, the, so the um, the second link that that, that I posted, uh, the the one from Apollo. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go. F Fifty million requests for twelve thousand dollars. So for for a service that is very well known for behavior like doom scrolling, that's. You, you you cut through that code really quickly. Right. Mm -hmm. huh. Yeah, so we just created a CAS system where smaller mid-market companies don't have the same access to data that the big players do. Yeah. Well, so much for the democratization of data. Yeah. Well, think about the you know the book we were talking <laughs> yeah, about two weeks. Two weeks ago, where <laughs> basically that was exactly the premise that these guys, um, you know, there are a couple of real big ones who either um, put out of business or or acquire, you know, the the smaller smaller specialty houses that are doing work and. Uh, the result is they maintain a very expensive um, paywall, and it turns into a, you know, a big boys club. Yeah, because you can you can play in that big boys club because you've you've got a hand to play because you have data to trade. If you have no data to trade, you are sol. Uh, so a, a buddy of mine that I worked with in the HP chipset group 25 years ago, I, I don't want that 25 years just blew my mind, but 25 years ago, <laughs> Victor Trump, uh, he went and got his MBA over in one of the big California schools, ends up, he's a product manager at Apple in 
2006 to 2009, something like that. And I'm having lunch with him in somewhere around Silicon Valley, San Jose, Sunnyvale, wherever it was. And he was talking about, yeah, you know, I tried this this startup thing. And so I went and built an app uh, for the Apple, you know, app store. And we tried this for about two years, but we figured out that we couldn't really get any traction because all the big players owned all the data. So as soon as we came up with something that worked, then somebody that owns the data would go and build a shittier version of what we built. Ouch. And then we become irrelevant. So that that's already happened in the app space and the, 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 the mobile app space, right? So mm-hmm. we're going to see the same thing expand across a much wider breadth of the IT economy because of this. I mean, it, it's just the, the value of that data just became exponentially more valuable. Yeah. I, oh. I'm not altogether sure that this is right. But I recall seeing or having a conversation recently that Stack Overflow is um, contemplating a pretty stiff tariff on their uh, with their API, and you can understand why. I mean, they are basically an alternative source of coding information, mm-hmm. among other kinds, but pre- predominantly coding. And, um, you know, who else is out there besides, you know, using GitHub and, and LLMs? GitHub's already got, you know, got its position. So there's, so, uh, there's, a, there's a big change. So from that perspective, they're, they're protecting their accumulated knowledge, their accumulated expertise. They're trying to from do two things. LLMs from a training perspective. Because They're otherwise, to you're do just things. asking the, I guess you're right, because right now I wouldn't ask, I wouldn't go to Stack Overflow. First thing I'm going to do is ask, you know, an LLM uh, for advice. So, I mean, the, the average user wouldn't go to Stack Overflow in, in the first place because yeah. their community is so toxic. Like the only way to interact, to, to reasonably interact with Stack Overflow is, is through online searches. Yes, the, the best right. way to interact with Stack Overflow is to lurk. <laughs> you know you know the ceo stack overflow uh percent i don't know him personally no okay yeah he's an ex-racker so oh, okay i know him we worked there at the same time hmm. uh, he was a, it's a smart cookie he's no fool yeah no and that that plus um Joel Splotsky was one of their key advisors. That, that Actually, was, he, he, I think he started Stack Overflow. I, I thought he was like the like primary advisor. I, I don't know if he had an executive I, role or an advisory role, but for some reason, I, enough to I, find I, out. I, I kind of associate him with the actual creation of Stack Overflow. I may be wrong. 
But um, no, it's a combination of um, we're going to put um, put a toll road on on this for one thing. That until unless and until we can also put in place um, a means by which uh, the intellectual property residing in our service, whether it's Reddit, Stack Overflow, whatever, can be um, identified, and we can get you know both licensing licensing imposed on the use in in LLMs or find a way of uh, litigating against it. You know, it's, so it's uh, what do you it's a nastiness. So. What is this then going to do to developer resources within each tech provider's community? Forget well, about open source for a second. Well, answer that. I have an, I have a follow up question. But are you are you asking what does it do for for example for the you know Microsoft and Azure community? What does it do for um, well, Amazon I see community. them becoming. I see them becoming closed. Right, yeah. you can get a developer well, become, account on virtually any company's software. They become. Yeah, you, I think they're the lurking. Lurking, lurking, lurking will lurking will tend to go away, and and basically you you're just gonna you're. I think you're gonna find people committing to kind of tribes. There will be communities that you're, you know, you are um, emotionally and financially kind of tied to. I mean, that, that's yeah, what so, Reddit, I mean, Reddit was in the first place. Right. Yeah. Um, but think about Discord. Is Are they going to be next? Um, wow. I don't know how you would actually manage to do Discord without so seriously breaking their business model could are are we going to end up paying people to contribute expertise in bite-sized chunks to llms for training i mean we did yeah. it sort of organically in reddit and in stack overflow but i could see somebody Actually, being like because here's this was the question i wanted to ask it's we don't need, I mean, there's a ton of garbage out there, right? We don't actually need to train on all the garbage. We could train on a, a, a more curated set to actually be really valuable. Right. And so I could see suddenly getting paid for, so ownership isn't in dispute and quality isn't in dispute to actually say, all right, I'm going to write, you know, an article about how to use this programming and, you know, this programming model or whatever in, in some way. And then feed those in. It's maintained its owned property by an LLM back to data, you know, yeah. garden type of stuff. The, um, the issue is going to be not unlike you know proposals for individual private citizens to both mon to monetize their personal data for use, whether it's mm. you know for marketing or something else. Um, the idea of individually getting a you know, a, 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 you know, a monthly or quarterly, you know, check for something uh, strikes me as being unlikely. 
I, I, I would sounds, expect it to what be sounds, what sounds, I, what I, sounds I, more likely. Yeah. What sounds more likely to me is that basically these become uh, cooperatives or collectives and they, as a group, you know, charge the LLMs or the LLMs, you know, the big, the big foundational models pay for access to it. Not unlike the way that uh, people have charged and paid for uh, use of Google for search and so forth. The result being that the com the community that's actually participating in that, or the individuals who are participating in that community and contributing, going through the curation process and so forth, get some sort of economic benefit. Um, they don't have to pay for the use of it. There are, are other as a group, as a community, you almost think of it as funding yeah. in the in the the more kind of utopian viewpoint here. That kind of money weight might end up going more towards things that one would think of as being kind of the the commons for that community. That's the way in which they will extract yeah, Rich, extract funds so and go into it. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And I think what's going to happen is we're going to see an evolution of the data broker model from Axiom style data brokerage to a double-sided marketplace. Mm. And it'll probably be one of those players, or it could be a new player, depending on how steeped in the status quo the current players are. But it'll come mm. from somewhere. Yeah, it's. I, I think yeah. it's a multi-sided. It, it's actually a multi-sided marketplace yeah. that will will be successful. The, the two-sided marketplace is going to be difficult unless you're already pretty well. Yeah, I, I can see all of these being being attempted. Um, I have my doubts about which one will be end up winning in the end, largely because if we take precedent, um, there's always going it's going to be hard to to find a good equilibrium like uh take the take the idea of the individual user uh attempting to get paid for their contribution that's going to end up like like a spotify model where you you get cents uh at most per per consumption and again it yeah. unlike spotify it's going to be very difficult to to meter uh, exactly. when your contribution is actually being used or not. Yeah. Um, and, and on the other hand, if it becomes a more open market, it might end up like the, the, the like the, the Amazon ebook uh, ecosystem where there's a lot of garbage mm. that gets pulled out, put out there, just like any, any kind of book that, that sell for a dollar or so that like that they're not even worth reading, but just, you turn a so, so, such large volume that you end up getting some money anyway. So, so yeah. that's the, the the potential for abuse there. Yeah. Uh, on, so, on the other hand, also like on, on the on the communal aspect or or the, or the, the cooperative aspect, mm -hmm. um, we do have the precedent of, for example, CNCF, EFF, where uh, the communities do get together to to aggregate and curate their their material. Uh, now, in that case, it's less about content, uh, although th there are some other presence like, like Iago and, and, and so on, which which 
ontologies in general, which tend to tend to be more typically more acad academic oriented, but they may end up having more of a footprint now in the, in the commercial space now that information is becoming a uh, top currency. Yeah. Well, um, I think you know I know some that are aiming at specific niches within the broader scope industry-oriented ones that are looking to feed only that industry in data, develop their ontology, develop their taxonomy, make it available only to those in their industry at a fee. So you want to use my data, you follow my schemas, my models, my everything, and I will then feed you the data that you can augment your embedded AI with. So there's there's one here. A secondary model. Uh, pardon me. A secondary model, right? A secondary model, and and I'm seeing the beginning of marketplaces starting with that. Klaus Think Data uh, made a deal with Bloomberg to do this augmentation. It's on their website. It's bizarre because uh, they're not ready for prime time themselves, and in some cases, the data that they're feeding in has very little relevance to what they're feeding it to whereas what they're what they should be feeding it is should be specific to the company that's subscribing to it and then uh, why would you Joanne, what is what is the what is the augmentation or added value that think data brings to it well okay so like in manufacturing they're they're trying to do a um uh a digital twin software as a service model um, that uses AI uh, to figure out certain parts of manufacturing and production processes. And they're now bringing in a Bloomberg feed to talk about things like um, uh, commodity markets, right? If you're using raw materials that come from a commodity like copper, you want to keep your finger on the pulse. So they're looking at very specific niches and creating a feed capability into the chat GTP that's already being embedded to create that sort of harmonization of data for context. So here's the feed from Bloomberg. Here's the contextually relevant pieces of it to add on to your internal information and also what the chat GTP or lookalike is going to bring you. And they're expecting to make big dollars off of this. Mm -hmm. And I see more and more of that starting is, to come. Are, they, are they expecting to monetize it because they think that people using their, consuming their AI models will get better results is this a ai the quality of the results so they're selling access to the to an improved or a, a higher a higher quality model allegedly allegedly but but the relevance of that data in that model is questionable to me number one how are you going to verify an online source for their provenance or their lineage or their uh, veracity Mm -hmm. Second of all, the volume of that data is going to be huge and the mm -hmm. velocity will change on a second by second basis. Do you really want that? 
augmenting your internal data that you're now leveraging an LLM capability for. Well, do you really need it at that kind of rates? That's you know, that's another well, question. Well, it, so go ahead, Klaus. I, I, I would because say it, it depends on 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 what uh, what the context is on, on in which you use the data. Like if right. you. Like I, I can see situations where you certainly want to augment your data because you need a constant influx of new opinions or expertises uh, just to uh, adjust your responses. Uh, on, in other cases, uh, particularly with with largely disconnected systems, so like like once once you train it, maybe once a year you update it with, with new data similar to a GPS uh, like road system and, and that's mm-hmm. sufficient. Um, there's also the again the the danger of relying too much on, on the third party data like uh, that that lawyer uh, found out uh, recently for, for the, the the airline where, where they they use chat GPT GPT gave them a reference to a court case that was completely fictitious. Uh, and they used it in court um and they all got smacked yep as well they should yeah sure i mean i can see it being useful if you're you know a day trader or a or you want to keep your finger on the pulse of a spot market in the commodity sector that i can appreciate right because you want to be able to buy uh, a contract at a time when you know a price dips for a minute and a half or some other thing but i can't imagine for unless your source of your data source that you're feeding in uh would be cost efficient to do that i i, I don't see it being efficient for uh for day trading like the ChatGPT doesn't refresh the data frequently enough to to keep the, a finger on 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 the beat like yeah. that. Right, but this is this is why but I mean, that's Glutan, the reason they're what, doing it. What we talked what we talked through at Gluton was this idea that the LLMs are foundation models. Yeah, and that the people are then going to be adding these more specialized models on top of them. So right. like that have specialized knowledge or advanced techniques or guardrails or some additional filtering capabilities, either pre-processing the work you're doing or post-processing the output or reprocessing the output. Um, and and one then of the most fascinating it, things that I learned at Glucon. And then keeping it from, from kind of melting into the LLM foundational models. So keeping uh, that, it and as that's what I think one of the things that we're talking through here that's fascinating is this idea of uh, captive data, right, or high expertise, high value um, content being adjacent to the LLMs. So the LLMs have yeah. this big sort of slow moving iceberg approach, very expensive to train, but don't don't keep up with it. And then we're going to be packing models around them when we're actually consuming the LLMs. We're not going to consume right. this directly. And those are going to be high, high. And what, what's fascinating in this conversation is we're, we are universally saying that the 
wait, several attack fronts. One is the sources of data for the LLMs are going to get more restrictive because the LLMs are now bypassing the sources and that the things that actually make the LLMs uh, verifiable experts are also going to be high premium paywall uh, pieces of information. And so they're going to be paid. Yes. Yeah, I think there'll be paid services and then then they'll be they'll be checked from that, that which makes sense. I mean, we're looking at similar things as the LMs are useful to do a, a, a certain amount of framing, but you need to frame into them um, just as a note. And this is, I think, useful in context because um, the topic today is expertise. And I, I mean, fundamentally what we're talking about um, or the death of expertise, but the number one prompting. Uh, tip out of Glucon was that the models behave differently if you tell them that they need to be an expert. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, that absolutely that um, that there's a lot of persona, you know, persona um, necessary for definition to make the the systems good. And some of these, the, I think, the algorithms are just going to be, you know turning on personas when you interact with the model in a certain context and then evaluating them back as, you know, from that, that perspective. So also the use of agents, things like lane chain, the creation of proprietary databases of embeddings and vector databases. This is where these are the underpinnings for exactly the model you just described, uh, Rob, and I think on a commercial basis, a little higher level, and it's not an exact analog, I think what one of the ways we can kind of look and see how some of this might go is what's happened with uh, security threat intelligence services. There are multiple services. There are some open source versions. There are some rather expensive ones. No provider of real, real DLP threat services, things like that, technologies, who relies on them goes to just one. They all Mm -hmm. use multiples. And there are, you know, there are leaders. So once again, you have, you know, and they win and lose on the basis of how well they do. So they get reputations. They have qualities you know, of service that are uh, specific to this kind of uh, this kind of information. You know how many how many uh, how much garbage you have to wade through to find a real threat. How good are the you know the high vol- high priority threats and so forth? So I think a lot of that's going to be kind of rolled into some of the the business models we're we're discussing right now. It's taking it's it's causing me to spend a lot of time thinking about the infrastructure to deliver that, and then what needs to be done with respect to. Um, identity, you know, license, kind of keeping proof of license or licensing, kind of 
keeping track of the intellectual property and the source of, of data that you're getting by these various means. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 23 podcast. We are going to be spending a lot of time exploring this concept of generative development, generative DevOps, trying to find the balance between just using it to generate a whole bunch of garbage and noise and potentially good code, or using it in ways that allow us to refactor, refine, collaborate, um, you know, augment our expertise. Uh, it's going to be something I really want to explore in the next, in the coming months. And I hope you will join us on that journey. Uh, you can find out more about the sessions and register for the roundtables at the 2030.cloud. I hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.